0: Featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran.
1: All right, what is going on, everybody? How are you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and More. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, whether you're listening to this on the audio side, whether you're catching this on video, which if you are, this is a good chance you're watching this live here on a Thursday night. I am back at Imperial Pizza, South Buffalo, two locations, Now I'll get to that in a second. (laughs) But anyway, I am joined today by a special guest. He's been on the show a couple times, but it's never been in person, man. We've never done a show in person together. That changes right now. My man, Chad D. I'm Expected Buffalo. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Good. I'm good. It, it's nice to do it in person. We've done
2: a lot. Like, we've seen each other. Yeah. But so this is, like, in person the right. first time. This it's is nice. different, It's, man. Nice. it's fun.
1: It's, it, it's great to have you on the show, man. Again, we are here live at Imperial Pizza. Just banged out some wings before we uh, got going. Some medium wings. Some... Yeah. Uh, I Gotta make sure I get them right. Jamaican jerk. Yes. Homage, just to Joe Yurden, by the way. Those yep. are Joe Yurden's favorite. I called them when I told them what kind of wings I said Caribbean jerk, and they looked at me like I was the biggest idiot in the world. <laughs> they're actually Jamaican <laughs> jerk, huge flavor, man. I was yeah. wearing it though, man. This is sticky, sticky. All sticky. All over you my said face. they were sticky, and they they're were they were, they were sticky. They're they're right. Totally, totally You're worth right. it, though. Man, this food here is just uh it's so consistent. I say it all the time. When you come here, we were talking about this over yep. dinner. You always know what you're gonna get when you come here. Well, not you because you've never been here. No, before. first time. But I will first spot it.
2: It is a cool spot. Uh it's a little bit I mean, it's funny because when you first talked about driving out here, I was like, it's so far away from my house. And then really it's like, Oh, it's only 15, 20 minutes. But uh, yeah, I don't venture out to South Buffalo much, but I, I told
1: you, I'm like I'm gonna have to bring the family back here because it's—it was good, yeah, it it's is. A nice spot, we're always looking for new pizza places. And yeah, that's one of my favorite pl- things about this place. You can, you and I, or you can come here by yourself, or you and I can come sit at the bar, watch yep, a game, yep. get loaded on some beers, or you can bring the family here because there's plenty of booths and tables. Uh, before we get going, Chuck, I got to throw out a plug because everyone knows this location here in South Buffalo, but there is a brand new. Second location, Imperial Pizza, 1665 Main Street, literally just opened over the past couple days. So if you live in the uh, Canisius College area, uh, Mid-City Apartments, I, I'm pretty sure Del Reed's 26 Shirts office was there before he just recently um, that sounds right. moved to Kenmore. But anyway, that's, uh, that's the brand new spot. I can't wait to go check it out. I haven't been there yet. It's kind of my home base, though, man. <laughs> now, you you live in Tanawana? I live in Tanawana. Did you yeah. grow up in Tanawana? Yeah. Uh, Kenmore, Tonawanda area. I mean, well, when I
2: was younger, it was Riverside, and I was younger, younger. And then I think around seventh, eighth grade, I think it was eighth grade, moved out to Kenmore. So, yeah, that so since then, since then, I've been in Kenmore, Tonawanda area.
1: Growing up, like now, I'm not from South Buffalo, but I know from doing so many shows there just being around Imperial for the last couple of years, this is the staple of South Buffalo. Like, when people... Live in this area, they talk about going to get food. Yeah, this is the place. Like growing up, did you have like a, a staple that you can remember oh, in the areas that you live? Uh, There's not too many of them no. in, in Western New York.
2: No, um, probably not really. That I'm trying to think about now. I mean, we had like bars when we were younger, but those were just dive bars, you know? so, like, it's like <laughs> yeah. it's not like it's anywhere that was, was like you, were, you weren't
1: getting the bars when you were 10 no. years old. Chad, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's
2: crazy now that I say younger because I think like, 35 and the younger is like 22, 23. And like,
1: you're it, it hurts, to, age, it hurts to say it. It hurts to say it. it, you're, you're, it getting, you're getting to that yeah. age where I know. I know. you're at a crossroads right now. You're not yeah. young, but you're also not old. Yeah, mid 30s. 100%. Things start to like maybe creak a little bit more. Yes. You know, it starts to, yeah. you, you, you don't get up the next morning after a long night no. quite as easy. No. Like I told you, I, I used to do most of my hockey work, I still do at night.
3: Yeah. yeah, but
2: my kids go to bed from like nine to like I used to be like twelve or one or even sometimes two, and then I get up the next day and go to work at seven in the morning. But like, no, not anymore. like it, it. doesn't work. Like usually I'd be able to go like multiple weeks without the tiredness hitting me. Where now,
1: it's a week maybe, yeah.
2: and then I'm, I'm I'm cooked. I'm done.
1: We're going to uh, obviously we're going to talk some Buffalo Sabres. the primary reason why I got you on. Also going to talk some Bills because. Whether you like it or not, I know yeah. that you can hold your own with, yeah, with a yeah. with a Buffalo Bills football conversation. You do follow the team. I mean, you don't know right write about the team, not like you do, you know, covering the sabers. So right, right, two different right. animals for you, but I know that you cover the bill or follow the bills closely enough that we can talk about them. And this has just been, you know, before we get into those specific team talks. If I would have told you this, and this is not fun to say, but this is I, I feel like this is kind of a reality right now. Okay. If I would have told you in August, and okay. you know, we're having a pre-Bills season episode and talking maybe a little bit about the Sabres at the time. If I would have told you that we are here at Imperial Pizza and we're like a, a week away from Thanksgiving and the Buffalo Bills season would be on the brink already. And the Buffalo Sabres, while certainly not enough of a, a sample size to deem this season a success or a failure, right, right. I think it's safe to say there's issues, and they're at least to some extent, partially because of injuries too now, mm-hmm. in trouble. Yeah. If I would have told you that in August, be like, you know, the Sabres are reeling a little bit, and the Bills, their season's on the brink. What would you have thought at that time? It's just before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Not New Year's, before Thanksgiving.
2: The Sabres one I could understand if they got out of the gate slow. That one I could have believed. The Bills part of it, I probably would have said, okay, when did Allen get hurt? What game did he get hurt? Right. What game did he miss? Sure. What happened? Yeah. Um, now there are injuries that are part of it, but not on that side of the ball. No. Uh, but that is the side of the ball that's struggling and that's. Know, the baffling part. Of you can
1: you can even argue it's both teams. Honestly, it's the same it's the same thing. The offense on yeah, both sides is it, what is holding him back. Good point. And you could even argue on the Bills side here that the one notable injury that they've had on the offensive side of the ball, with due respect to him, I'm not trying to slander the player, but you can make an argument that the offense is probably better off without yeah, Dawson Knox yeah. solely for the fact that it is really opening it up more opportunities yeah. from Dalton Kincaid. But again, we'll we we'll come back to the Bills. Let's kind of circle. Well, actually, let's talk about what you do a little bit. Okay. At Expected Buffalo, I've I told you this a hundred times. I mean, we've had many conversations before. I, I like the fact that you cover the team differently than, say, a traditional yeah. beat reporter or columnist. And that's no disrespect to them; they do great work too. But sure. you, you're you have a uniqueness to uh, Expected Buffalo. You and not just you. You know, yeah. the guys at the site that that work with you. What I wanted to ask you was, was this, like, what got you to, and a lot of your work for people who don't know revolves around statistics, yeah. advanced statistics, in some cases, numbers that the average casual fan, like say myself who grew up just looking at box scores yeah, and yeah. you know thinking you understand the game purely from just looking at the box score that you get in the newspaper every day, what you do is way beyond that. What attracted you? to want to initially learn more about advanced statistics, which, by the way, there's a lot of beef going on this year, and we'll get into <sighs> that with the on the Bills' side, yeah. you know, because of advanced numbers with the offense and what it suggests versus what we see with our naked eye. Yep. I'm sure it's the same in hockey to some extent, too, advanced stats versus naked eye tests. But yes, anyway, so. what, what attracted you to want to pursue covering the team and the sport like that? I think it was... When I first started doing, when I first started doing it,
2: that I, I, I wasn't a thing. Um, I think it was looking for something that differentiated myself, to stand yeah. out in a way, not to kind of you know blend in or, or be stuck with everybody else who's doing the same thing. And at the time I started doing it, it was an opening. Where now, like. I don't want to say everybody. but the, a lot more people now know about advanced numbers and hockey and how to talk about and have conversations about them look at the charts and the data mm-hmm. and all that. It's way different than it was you know maybe even three years ago. Uh, but at the time it, it was a gap, you could say in in the coverage and that's sure. what no one it, was doing it. right. And so that's when I kind of jumped in learned about it um, and kind of it, it's a lot of learning on your own
1: um, learning about what's that process because that's the thing like hey, I want to learn about events yeah. stats. I yeah, want to yeah, understand yeah. what some of these charts you're putting up yeah. are easier send than done, though. Well, at least for some, it is for me. Yeah, that. right.
2: It, the easiest thing when people ask, like I start learning about it, is I tell people to be in conversations. It, it, it's going to come up weird with smart people. So that's mm-hmm. kind of why I learned a lot is from talking to people um and having them tell me what to take from things um reading books um, that people have written going to conferences like you we were just talking about on a live show we did yesterday about how we missed the rit sports analytics conference it was a couple years ago maybe like four or five years ago someone did it but like you would get all those advanced stats people to come in and then they make presentations and you'd see how to take what they take away from the data what they can look at how they approach things where trends are going where things are going where the league is trending where you know, five years ago, Corsi shot share was a big thing mm-hmm. and then expected goals. And then now it's okay. okay. Well, I think we're at a point with analytics. He's in hockey, is okay. What's that next? Step? And right. I think that's where the player tracking is going to start to come in where you can start to look at um, how players move, the speed, the way the puck moves. Um, so I think that's kind of that next level is what is the next thing. And I think that's why player tracking, why we do it now for the Amrex on our site, that, that player tracking is that
1: next level
2: of. What happens beyond that 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 you know you don't get from NHL play by play data that you have to dig out
1: what um people who maybe initially not so much now like you said people are definitely starting to understand yes. that it matters more now initially though a lot of resistance from sure it's new. I don't want to say Neanderthals or it, all. it's you no know, like right? I'm not a knuckle draggler yeah. or anything like that but you know it's just my mind you know my mindset was you can only. Retain so much statistical yeah. data and information. What, was it difficult and at times frustrating having, uh you know, the process of, of people starting to open up and be more receptive to these stats and what they actually mean? As opposed to say, beginning early hour, people just probably wanted to to, to blow you off. Yeah, a
2: hundred percent. Like I was saying, it's it different. It's changed. Nobody really takes change well. You know, it, mm-hmm. in, in any facet of life, not just sports, change is difficult and even hard. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of frustrating conversations. There's a lot of people that who, who cares about this, what does it mean? And I think that's, you know, what I've talked to Anthony and Eddie about. And they even understand, too, is what we have to try to do if we're going to use this information is explain how it's relevant. Mm-hmm. Show how it's relevant. Communicate to people. And it's not only, I mean, the big thing I always tell them, especially Anthony, is to try to get away from using the phrase expected goals. Um, use shot quality someone understands that. If you say expected goals, someone's like, oh, huh?" you say, "Oh, right. shot quality," someone's like, oh, "Okay, I get it." Right. Or if you say "coursing," sure. someone's like, "Huh?" No, no, shot share, like shot attempts. Like, it's use phrases and words you can to understand to explain what you're communicating. And then I think the thing we've tried to do the last couple of years is marrying clips to it. So here's expected goals. Here's what it is. Here's an
1: example of you can see with your eyes how it's being created and how we're utilizing that. Uh, talk about your partner, Anthony, by the way. You, well, again, he's not the only person that you have yeah, now yeah. at there. But, like, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before. But, like, w- when you spend a lot of time with somebody, and whether it's writing and you guys yeah. have your own podcast, too, you develop chemistry yeah. over time. but And you can't force it. It's, it's got to be organic. And, it, yeah. you know, like I said, it's a process. I and mean, you guys clearly, you know, the two, you have that. But talk about him, the partner, what he brings to the table. He's funny as hell on Twitter. Right I he, he can be combative towards yes, people. Yeah. I enjoy that shit because yeah. I think sometimes he will tweet and say things that people want to yeah. say but won't. And I've yes. always respected that about for him for
2: sure. A hundred percent. I've told him the same thing. There are times when I have to be like, "Calm down, calm down a little bit." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I think why Anthony and I work so well together is because our personalities, I think, are different. Mm-hmm. Where I'm not as kind of outgoing as he is, and I'm more laid back and not. And get frustrated. I mean, I, I get there, but I, I think you know, he's more of like the aggressive, energetic kind of guy, which is good. It's why you have that good off rapport off each other. And, and we see the game differently. We agree on a lot, yeah. and that's kind a of common when you're both kind of look at the game this way. But there's also a lot of things that we disagree on, and we can have normal conversations about it, and then we can get to a spot. And um, I mean, it, it's funny. We we just like we just really met organically, both writing for the hockey writers, and then I left and went and took over a dive of the blaze and I brought Anthony with me mm-hmm. out of there. And then he kind of became essentially my number two. And then we got to the point when COVID came and I was like, you know, I, I think I'm just going to branch off and do my own thing. And he's like, I'm hundred percent coming with you. Let's do it. And I've told the story numerous times that expected Buffalo really would not have happened if it wasn't for Anthony. Cause I looked into it, researched it. And I'm like, I don't know, man, I don't think it's really going to work and be able to do it. He's like, no, we're doing it. We can make it work. I'm like, okay, fine. Well, I guess we're going to do it. And sure enough, and that's where it's gone. So I really give him a lot of credit because the site would not have happened if he was like, Okay, I guess you're right. Like he he pushed me uh to kind of do it because he knew it, I think that was the next step that him and I had to take to go where we wanted to go and do what we want to do and kind of just be on our own and not under anybody's, you know, watch like we you were at S B Nation.
1: Yeah. And I gotta tell you, man, I I really do appreciate the fact that you guys do something. Still different. Even if people are warming up to yeah, it, but right, yeah. they're still a long ways away from under completely understanding yeah. it. And, and other people doing it, they might start to replicate you guys a little bit yeah. here and there now. Yeah. But they're they're not there yet. You know, I've talked to you, you mentioned COVID. I've talked to a lot of media people and plenty of content creators. And for all the horrible freaking things that COVID mm-hmm. brought to the country and the world, kind of like to a man or to a woman, a lot of people said that COVID actually helped them in terms of content creation in part yeah. because people are just sitting around not doing shit right <laughs> yeah I mean it gives you the inspiration to go out and do something that maybe you weren't going to do before or on the audience side you know people aren't as busy because they were stuck at home and kind of yeah. helped them uh you know build up an audience so to speak yeah you agree with that yeah no, 100 like in my case like i didn't
2: have a job either because i lost my job because they closed because of COVID. sure so you know i had time to invest in my time basically in what in doing this and building the site and building myself and continuing to grow. And you know, that's, it, it's hard when you have two kids and you have a full-time job. really like We sure. talked about this when we were over there, like yeah. to, to, to find time to still do this. But you got to have the passion because once the passion goes away from wanting to do it, then it just, it, it's gone. You're, you're done. Yeah. Might as well just hang them up at that point. But uh, yeah, I had the time at that point to do all of it. And you know, it, it, it yeah, I mean, I, I think it kind of reset me in terms of what I do. Um, it put me on a new path. It put me on my own for the first time doing this and having the, being comfortable to go on my own and have that confidence that I, we could do it. And, you know, it's been, it'll be three years in April and it's gone better than I could ever imagine. I told Anthony, we will get like 25 subscribers. That's it. And like it blown away and it's, it's incredible. And you know, I'm thankful for everybody who, two guys, three guys, he
1: bringing Eddie, you know, that just talk about hockey and willing to support you you're a writer by trade you know by by skill by crap i mm-hmm. should say you uh do plenty of podcasts you yeah. know you like podcasting and i'm not talking about you coming and doing the show at imperial i know you're going to patronize me <laughs> and say that you like that but on a serious side you like when you do the show with anthony we talked a little bit about yeah. this over dinner do you enjoy doing the podcast i enjoy
2: the podcasting itself sure um, the planning out what you're going to talk about, the conversation, like now just having conversation talking about sports. That's what I like to do. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's after, right? It, it's, it's the work that the goes work. into after you do it, the cutting it up, the, I mean, depending how far you want to go to and what you want to do. I mean, you could just, you could record a podcast, not edit it, put it out there and you could just do it. People do do that. that that's fine. But if you want to, you know, be a respected podcast or you want to grow your podcast, you have to edit it. You have to make it seem, and that's what we've been trying to do. You know, over the last year, we've changed some of our stuff and how our, we put out our podcast. And then we're also talking about cutting up clips, and that's important too. Like as you're taking notes, as you're doing the show, so you're trying to focus on what Anthony's saying. And like, oh man, he had a good statement. He just said, I want to clip that way. What time are we at? We're at this time, already done. down. But also listen to Anthony. Like it's sure
1: you know. And then going back, clipping it, and then the scheduling. You're playing it, two roles. You're a producer yeah, too. Yeah. You right. Know, like right now, yep. you're gonna talk. And we're gonna be bouncing, and yeah. you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna leave, and yep. I'm gonna be stuck doing all the extra <laughs> 100%. shit. 100%. You know how it is because you do it. Yep. that's how it works with uh yeah with your show. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Look, I'm very grateful for every single person who who listens or, or watches this show, and I don't want to sound like a complainer mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm I like doing this. I love doing this for the most part. Yep. but it is a lot of work, and I think there are some people who don't understand. You know, you, we record for an hour, and it's probably three hours at least by the time you're done. Between Easy. the between the show notes and the cutting of the yep. clips, like you said, the editing, the audio, the video side, putting stuff up. Pretty lively here in Imperial for, for by by Imperial standards. This is a medium to small size crowd, but they're pretty uh noisy, it's pretty noisy. vocal going yeah. on. Right I mean, there yeah. was a Bengals Ravens game just yep. getting started. I just noticed right that I
2: looked up and I saw it was on. Yeah. Yep.
1: And by the way, we're playing with fire. So so um Chad and I were again, we were banging out our wings before uh we started. Wanted to make sure we started on time, left a lot on the table. Yeah. And I was telling you the story. I'll tell people who are watching and listening to this real quick. So I had over the summer we were doing patio shows because it's beautiful. And this is a great patio here at Imperial. I had Lance Losowski from the Buffalo News on with me. And he was he wasn't feeling it. He wasn't feeling good. So we got a lot of wings. And uh he only had like one or two, and then he left pretty much right after. And so we had a I I had a table with a, a whole shitload of wings still mm-hmm. and then i go outside and i start breaking down my equipment and stuff packing up the camera you know all the, the mixer and all that stuff some dude who was clearly drunk just gets up from the bar goes right to the table looks at the wings and i'm watching him do this He just starts eating them and i was like oh and then i'm like you know all right turn back around and he went to like to counter, got an empty box, goes to a table and starts taking my Lance's wings and putting them in a box to go. I was like, I was good to yell at him. But then I was like, you know what? I, I told you this. Yeah, was you like, gotcha. if you got the balls to yeah. do something like that, if you're yeah. that drunk or that ballsy to just go on another table, take someone's leftover wings, which they weren't technically leftover. I was going to eat them yeah. at home. I was kind of. You know that part pissed me off. <laughs> then I was like, well, fuck it, man. This dude, uh <laughs> yeah, this dude deserves it. Hopefully, I don't what I'm saying is I hope it doesn't happen again because there's still a good amount of Jamaican jerk wings up there, <laughs> and I really want to be able to uh to get after them. Let's spend a couple minutes talking sabers here before okay. diving to some bills. Like said This won't be too long of an episode. Obviously, the big news on uh what was it? It was Tuesday night, which by the way, I didn't feel good on Tuesday night, and uh I took a really, really late nap. Like around 5 30 or so. I just didn't have no energy. I didn't feel okay. good. I woke up, knowing the Sabers game was on. And this is this is wow, there's plates flying all over the place there <laughs> in, in burial tonight. What the hell's going on here? Anyway, um, so the Bills played on Monday night. I yeah. was heated, I was up all night. I was it was a late night. I did a post-game show. I probably yep. did go to bed at three yep. in the morning. I had to get up really early, was tired, no energy, took a nap. Got up five minutes before the Sabres game. Saw you know the rest of the post Poso thousand game ceremony, which was really cool. Was really good, really Congratulations yep, to him! Yep. Within five minutes, it's two nothing. No, and then Tay no Johnson no. gets hurt. No lie, I said, I got to get up. I turned the TV off, took a shower, got a bite to eat. I put the TV back on, and within 30 seconds, he got hurt again. <laughs> All within like I watched maybe four and a half minutes of Sabres hockey. Saw two goals against him with my eyes, and Tage get hurt twice. So it was your fault. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, wrist injury, or should we call it? Was an upper body injury? Is that Hand what, is arrest, that That's what or, they yeah, say in yeah, hockey? Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, Granato did say on a Thursday that it would be less than two months. Yeah. So I guess the expectation is like four to six weeks. Four to six weeks is Four to right six to weeks. Yeah. Um, talk about. You know the impact on the team with that injury, and um, on the lines. And this was just lines yeah. on Thursday; they could easily change. But I thought it would be Middlestat who would just fill in for talking Skinner. Uh-huh. But on on the Thursday practice, anyway, it was um, it was Dylan Cousins. Dylan Cousins yeah. So, w- what's your thoughts on that? And obviously, how this team's gonna try to tread water, so to speak, with their best scorer down. Yeah, I mean, it, it look it's gonna hurt. Um
2: And I said, I think it was last week or even, yeah, I think it was last week that, you know, the production in terms of goals is not where it was the past two seasons right now. And he still has five goals, which is good. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think he's playing his best. He was playing his best all around hockey right now, Uh, both offensively, defensively. And then on the penalty kill, we're end up getting hurt, unfortunately, which is one of the reasons why I like having good players on your penalty kill, but then also like, "Eh," because then that happens. You You get hit by the puck and then you're out. Um, so yeah, I mean it's gonna hurt. Um, I think it's it's survivable. Uh, if it was two, three months, then I don't know. Four to six weeks, you can make work. Uh, they did it. I mean, in the small stretch last year, the end of last where he was hurt. The end of last year, uh, he missed a couple games. They I think they didn't loot. lost one in overtime maybe, uh, but they, they survived. And that's because stat stepped up and and he stayed there when even when Thompson came back, it's you know the injury he had he couldn't play center anyway. He's playing in the wing and right. He made it work. Um, but I think now the reason that they're going to Cousins in that spot is because I think they're they're trying to get Cousins going. Uh, I, I think
1: he started slow. Then he which started he struggled to, early in this. Then season, he started right? to
2: pick it up a little bit, and then he got in that fight in Philadelphia. Which yeah, I, I don't, look, I, I said it when Cousins started fighting when he was younger. That okay, that's great, that's awesome that he does that. But that it's got to get to a point where it has to stop. You can't do it. And this is the reason why because that happens, it sends you back. And you're the second-line starter on this team. You, that somebody else can handle that. That's not – you can't do it anymore. Good point. And maybe he learned now from this. Um, not only maybe he learned from being out, but I think his face maybe learned too because, you know, he, he took the brunt of that one. Uh, but I think they're trying to do They're trying to get him going, putting him with their best offensive wingers and see if they can spark him and get him going. Because Middlestat has had a good season. and he slowed down a little bit here the last few. And I think that might be opponent-driven. Um, one thing I noticed about Middlestad is like, you know, teams like Carolina, teams like Boston, that four-check you hard, that's not really his style to right. play against, his succeed against. He can do it. He does it. But I think he also has struggles within those situations, too. So I think he'll get going again, but I think really Cousins, they're trying
1: to give him a kick here to, to get going. You know, I was going to say kind of like tongue-in-cheek, but once I thought about it, it's not really tongue-in-cheek. Like, these good offensive skill players probably need to stop fighting. Yeah. Dylan Cousins legitimately got hurt in a fight and missed yeah. time. Alex Tuck, Got in a fight and missed. Didn't he miss a game because of that? After uh, I don't know, he wasn't the same. I, I, I could yeah. have sworn it. it was like the Gordy Howell hat trick game, wasn't yeah. it? Against Ottawa? Then
2: he got that's right. Which, with Chuck, Chuck yeah. he kind of got a wrestling match. Yeah, then didn't he miss you're right, that. he didn't play after that. that was the last game he played. Right, you're right, right, right. So, I don't know if it was, I think he's been battling something since training camp, so I don't know if it was from that.
1: Man. Yeah, I mean, it, it could have been. He could have aggravated right. something then, yeah. Yeah, so stop fighting skill players. Yes. Like Stillman last year, I'm like, he's trying to prove himself right yeah. off the bat. Didn't work out for him either. But I can live with him getting yes. knocked out, all right? <laughs> I ain't trying to get Alex Tucker or Dylan Cousins uh, no. knocked out. I'm going to take like a quick, and I mean literally a 15-second break, maybe even a five-second break. Come right back with Eddie Domenicis, Sabres Talk and Bill's Talk, coming right back. All right, I'm back here with Chad D. live at Imperial Pizza, 1035 Abbott Road in South Buffalo. Um, all right, so we were talking about the Sabres here before the break. Um, Zach Benson expected to play. We're, we're taping this Thursday. They're, yep. they're not playing tonight, playing tomorrow, or by tomorrow. Most people, that's tonight. Um, Anyway, Zach Benson, he's got three games left before the Bills ha- – or before the Bills. <laughs> got the Bills on my mind. Before the Sabres have to make a hard-line yes. decision, he's yeah. got up to nine games. Um. What, what are your thoughts on him? What did your gut tell you? Is, is this truly one of those, is this a legitimate three-game yeah. audition that it yes. could go either way? You yes. don't think their mind's made up no, right now?
2: No, I don't think it is. Um, I'm curious to see how it goes. I think before he went out with the injury, the way I put it is the game seemed to be getting a little fast for him, maybe for the first time. Okay. Um, I, I noticed that in his last game. And that could have been because of the injury, though. So let's let's see now that he's healthy how he performs. Uh, I, I think he's ahead of where most players his age at 18, 19 years old uh, are defensively, and I think that's why he's capable to play in this league, because he understands that two-way game. And that's why I think he's here instead of Matt Savoy, because there's things like that that Matt Savoy has to learn and, and work on still, where I think Benson has that. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting what they end up doing there, because I even right now, like me and myself, I don't lean either way what they could do. Um, what really could be a big impact in it, and we're in South Buffalo territory, is if Patrick Kane comes into the picture.
1: Be careful, they might start sharing air <laughs> if they hear you. I think that if that
2: were to happen before he hit his ninth game, I think that's a pretty good indicator of what he's what's going to happen with him. That he'll go back down to Wanachi in the Western League with Matt Savoy in the same team. Um, and he'll finish it, but he'll go to Roll Juniors. That's the thing, too, is he's probably going to go to the World Juniors in December in a month. So it's a couple more weeks before Team Canada camp starts, and then he'll go do that. So I think either way, he could – they could stretch this out where they get to the ninth game, send him to the World Junior camp, and then don't have to make a decision yet. They can make it when he comes back. Sure. So that's on the table, too, that they can make work doing that. Um But, yeah, it's hard to
1: tell right now which way it could go. It's really a a straight 50-50 coin toss. You you did mention Pat Kane. Would would it surprise you to see an announcement, whether it's Buffalo or somebody else, say maybe in the next handful of days? No, no. Uh,
2: I I think by the end of this week, early next week, he's going to pick where he's going. Um, I I think things got a little bit carried away earlier in the week um, with Buffalo. I'm not saying – Buffalo's not part of it, because they are. They would sure. do it. I think the coach wants it. The general manager wants it. Um, you think he, the coach wants it? I do 100% think yeah. the coach wants it. I mean, okay. he, he coached them in Chicago, so they okay. have familiarity going Good back point. there. Yeah. Um, and I think, it, and Gregor said it today, and I said it on our podcast earlier in the week, internally, I think there's confidence that they can get it done. Now it all depends on him, too. So now, yet I think the thing about him is he wants to go to a team that gives him an opportunity to be a contender. Um, I don't know what's a black contender. I would assume a cup contender he wants to win again. You know, where Buffalo is going, that's not done this year. Whether Thompson's hurt or not, I don't know if Thompson's injury maybe even exasperates that that they're not going to do that even more. Maybe he doesn't care and he just wants to come back and play in Buffalo and he thinks there's a fit there. He knows he knows Kevin Adams, a roommate, he knows the coach, former coach, and he feels comfortable and that's where he wants to go. I think if he wants to come here, he will be here. They want him and it'll happen. But I think ultimately it's going to be his decision where he wants to play because Florida's going to be in it, Dallas is going to be in it, Carolina. There are some really good teams, I think, that are in this mix that
1: he has to choose from. I think that's important that you said that because there are some fans right now who, you know, during the offseason, you heard this is the, the playoffs are our yes. expectation. 100%. And then say if the Sabres are to go out, and who knows what kind of player Pat Kane is. I guess we'll find out in time what he what he has left. Sure. It's not even the age. It's, it's the injury it's the and the injury. surgery and stuff yeah. like that. But what you can't accuse the Sabers of is making an effort to try to add a help us now type of player, or no? You don't agree? Let's talk about <laughs> it, baby. That's what this podcast is for. You, th- I'm I mean, have to watch. I don't. I don't want
2: something. Oh, you're to good. The, we're good. hit me in the back or something. But i not going to say <laughs> things about Patrick Kane. Um, look, if they were getting Patrick Kane from 2018. Mm -hmm. I think we're having a different conversation. Okay. This is a player who turns 35 years old on Sunday. This is a player who just had a surgery that only one player has come back and Ed Jovanovsky played 37 games, and then that was it. Nick Backstrom just had the surgery, Washington Capitals. He had it, said he felt great, 100% played, wasn't the same player, recently just said he's taking time away from the game to go back and – because he, he doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. It did major surgery, um, and then on top of all of those things, age, curve, surgery. There is decline in his game.
3: Mm-hmm. There is
2: the there was the climate again in Chicago. I understand it was a bad team, but that's it's that's not just that. He went to New York, and they're just it, they didn't get what they hoped out of there. I mean, the, the obvious point to how the league feels about him was the return that the Blackhawks got from the Rangers, which was almost next to nothing. True. And that's just, you know, and I, and I think in the right system, in the right areas, maybe he could be an effective player. But, I, I mean, yeah, on one hand, yeah, I understand this is this is Kevin Adams not sitting on his hands. If he does do this, which he's done in the past and not helped his team. So, yes, on one hand, I think it is doing that, which is good. But on the other hand, I don't know this is the move that makes his team better. Right. And then you're going to use up all of your cap space remaining when nobody else in the league has cap space besides you. So you're need an advantage. You're going to use it on this player that might not help you. Might not even be able to play once he gets going. And then like not like you can just, you could put him an LTIR, but then it's a whole thing and it's, like, it's cap and over time it accumulates and yeah. So it's it, I'm, I've made it very clear that I am not a fan of it. I think there is avenues to where it could slightly work, where it's not that bad of it. An idea. But I just overall, I don't think this is what they need right
1: now. Well, I would certainly take your word for it before mine. I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you match wits with you when it comes to knowing the player or even the sport for that matter. I agree with you. But what what, what I'm saying is even if he comes here and he is completely washed and mm-hmm. he's does nothing. The point being. Is that the Sabres are showing their fans that they were willing to go out and sign somebody who they think, I and mean, sure. very well could be wrong, that they're trying to. Help. I'm not even saying fans should like the signing, yeah, because it's pretty clear that if we're not sitting here in this area <laughs> of Western New York, I, I feel like a poll, any poll would suggest that the more fans would be against the yeah. signing. Yep. But what I'm saying is it, it would show that they're being aggressive in attempting. To, to have a better team right now this year, even if it doesn't work out. Yeah. Right? Yes. On that one, h- makes sense. On one hand, yes, I agree with you.
2: On the other hand, doing something just to do something that makes your team potentially worse isn't –
1: I mean, it, that's, it not, that's not what okay. the Bills you should do every year. You yeah. should try to sell tickets. During the drought, they go sign a Terrell Owens or something like right. that. And it's how just, will like, that work out for them? Right. Like, you know, it worked <laughs> out fucking terrible. I, it might be the case – with Pat Kane, too. But anyway, he's speculation. We'll see what happens. Yep. But here's what's not speculation. And you mentioned Matt Savoy. And that yep. kind of you know, got, got me thinking a little bit. Why do you think, you know, Zach Benson, who, his game probably is more complete right now than, mm-hmm. than Savoy, obviously, because yep. he's here with yep. the team still. But I got to be honest with you, as, as a casual to semi-hardcore fan, it, it surprised me to see Savoy. I mean, we waited for a while. We knew he was going to be on the conditioning assignment in Rochester. Then he would be up with the Sabres, and then he makes his <laughs> NHL debut. I'm like, all right, we're going to get a window to see what this kid has. He played, what, five shifts, like less than four minutes of lifetime, yeah. one game yep. sent to juniors. A, did that surprise you? And B, why do you think that happened on a roster that does have some injuries and some really uh, bottom six forward issues it appears to be right now? It did
2: not surprise me. No? Because uh, I think the plan all along with Savoy – was that he was not going to play in the NHL this year. Okay. So they tried really hard to get the exemption uh, to get him to go to the AHL. So for those who don't know, the NHL and the CHL have an agreement for a player under a certain age, which Matt Savoy misses it by literally one day, that yeah. exemption right now. That's crazy. Yep. He has, to go, he has to go back to juniors, cannot play in the AHL, where he likely should be and belongs. Um, I think the injury... In training camp and the prospect challenge, you know, derailed that a little bit. Uh, And then I also think what happened with the coach in Wenatchee being under investigation for improper, you know, racial statements that he made and then eventually getting fired, the Sabres didn't like that and didn't want to send him or Benson there. So they had an opportunity in opening. They could put him on a conditioning assignment into the AHL. They did that. He performed well. Uh, And then I think him getting in a game. Was more kind of just a show, if you will, um, that you know we wanted to give an NHL look. NHL, I promise, it wasn't. We weren't trying to skirt it around the situation. Right. We gave him a look, and it didn't work out. I guess it goes back to juniors. So I, I just don't think. And, and Granados talked about it. it it's that he they just don't feel he's NHL right. I don't disagree. Um, and there's no need right now where they are to force that in. And also maybe even hurt his confidence. He built up some good confidence in the NHL, succeeding in at a pro level. There's no need to have him play in the NHL and then, like, thinking, like, oh, my God, I'm not even close. So give him a taste and then send him back and let him do his thing. And when I see the same thing, he's going to go play for the World Juniors, be a top-line player for Canada, and try to go win a gold
1: medal. You know, that will be good for him too. I remember talking to Joe Yardin, and he said, even if a stint for a kid like that is really brief, that just being – Around an NHL team in yeah. a locker room and seeing how professionals like right. say Kyle Coso conduct themselves because yeah. he got a and few practices into yep. sleep and yep. nutrition and all these 100%. things off the ice, even if it's just for a little bit of period of time, ultimately it, it helps 100%. you. So it's not yeah. a waste when you look at it from that regard. Yep. And I don't think many people would resist your take on a uh, Savoy, pretty standard yeah. agreement that you know maybe he's just not quite yeah. ready yet. I get that. But the one guy the, the, among the prospects that it seems confusing to say the least, that's not up or hasn't been up yet it is cool. Yeah, why? Why it? All right, educate <laughs> me, man. Or maybe you don't know yourself. I guess, but yeah, again, you go to these forward issues and some of these guys who just aren't performing, and you factor in injuries and. Other players wow. have had opportunities. to I mean, call up from Rochester, including Rusek, who's up at least for right now anyway. Yeah. Um, He'll probably go back soon. R- is yeah. he going to probably be the one to go back when probably he's Conley when they, they, I mean, come back? Because they have IR? to aggravate
2: Comrie and Benson both. Right. So they got to well, create Tage two roster spots. they Tage,
1: Tage will go on IR, so yep. they got so one that's sure. one, and they'll have to, yeah, yeah. Assume assume Rusek Rusek goes back. back, yes. Okay, but point being is Rusek got the call up before him. Yeah, sure. Why do you think that's happened so far? So
2: there's a few things around it. So right in in the now, we'll we'll start with now and work our way back. So right now, the reason I think he's not here yet is because the Amex are going through a ridiculous injury run right now. Uh, last week they had a game. Well, first, well right now they have one of their defensemen playing center on the third line, uh, and they had one or two games last week where only two two players from their actual at forward. AHR roster at the start of the season were playing in that game. Mm-hmm. They had the rest of it was all ECHL forwards or even defensive. So they had a run on it. Now they're starting to get healthy. We backs coming back, some other Kisakov's coming back, uh Victor Nuchev came back. So they're starting to get guys back. I think merch might even be close. So they're gonna start getting guys back and healthier. And then I think that opens the opportunity down the road here with Thompson being out that he will get eventually get a shot. I think what why he didn't when Rusek and Byro got called out, I think because Byro deserved an opportunity last year, and he should have got one last year, but he had injuries. And then in training camp, he probably should have made the team didn't have three goal yeah. tenders. So I think they kind of threw him a bone and, hey, okay, here you go. He scored two goals in his first game. It, right, days. yes, exactly. Uh, Rusek, I think, was brought up more for a matchup situation. I don't, from the tracking, and I watch almost every Amherst game, because besides one or two. We track them all our data. He wasn't really having a great season. So I kind of took it away as maybe it was more of a matchup type situation and kind of a role on the play. But I think now when you're losing Thompson, you need that score up here. So I think it will eventually come. I think they wanted him to work on his two-way game. That was a whole thing where defense wasn't that great. I did an article on that where I showed the numbers from tracking were good. I pulled out clips. Like, I, I'm not seeing it. I don't know. Um, so I don't think that's really a thing. If that is, I think they're wrong, in my opinion. I mean, they're professionals, so whatever, that's fine. But from what I watch, what I see in the numbers that I track, he looks – for a 19-year-old, he's passable. Okay, he can go play in the NHL,
1: mm-hmm. um, but I, I think his time is coming. I think he'll get an opportunity here soon. You know, I forgot one other factoid from uh, that Boston game on Tuesday night. So, like I said, you know they give up five goals. Uh, Tate gets hurt twice, yep. and which probably should make me encouraged and happy. But I'm going to be honest with you, it didn't. I'm like, oh great, fucking Victor Oladipo scored <laughs> twice. They're <laughs> never the going to get rid of. They're never going to get rid of this
2: dude. That's the thing. He scores in those in those blowout He's, games, like,
1: just enough to not get. You know, put on waivers or whatever.
2: Here's the thing, though. They can use that, though, right now. They need him to get hot right now. If he gets hot for the next four weeks while Thompson's out, fine. Whatever. Trade chip again, right? Yeah, trade chip, and then plus he's a
1: streaky scorer. So if if he gets going now, can help you short term. Fine, yeah. It's frustrating with him. It's frustrating with him. I mean, the guy's a healthy scratch half the time, um, but yeah, then he pops in too, and I'm like, yeah, and I want to see Kulik up, and I'm like, yeah, but you know, Olsson scoring two goals not gonna, yeah, not right, gonna help right. that. You tweeted about, I don't remember word for word, so I'm very much paraphrasing, but you tweeted along something along the lines of it's getting to a point where there's certain players on this team that are hurting the team by yeah. being out there. Yeah, they're good guys. They're leaders, they're a voice in the locker room, and you mm-hmm. talk about that and you understand that. Like is it getting up one now where guys like Kyle Acoso and then uh Eric Johnson being on the ice are yeah. taking ice time away from others and making this a lesser team because of their on-ice presence.
2: Yeah, it's hard. I know it's tricky too. It's because you, you don't want to like you don't want to leadership. It's, it's it's your captain, it's one of the players that you brought in to guide this young team to where they want to go. So it's difficult, and you I mean you, you know in, in the especially. You know, I feel bad saying like he's not because he's a good guy. I mean, he, he's played well enough for them for the last couple of years, but it's just he's lost Thirty five years old, I just don't think it's there anymore. Yeah. and you know, I don't think he should be an everyday player for them. I think if he's, I think if he is a rotational player, you might get better performance out of him because he's not going every single night. Maybe he'll have more juice. And like it was funny in the Boston game, he's one of the few guys he turned the clock back, and he was he was up for that game. That was the apostle we saw last year. Right. But that was the only time we've seen him all year, and I think that's because he's getting the minutes too. I think that's holding him back and forward. It's get, making it difficult to make their bottom section. How right do now. you get your captain to, to to be okay with sending in the price box? Don't. Yeah, players. you just yet They didn't once or twice last year where they said he had some soreness and he missed some games, so maybe you approach it as you know that you agree with him. Hey, it's not going to be four or five. Maybe one or two. Maybe a back-to-back. Mm-hmm. I'm back-to-back. So we're going to rest it a couple times. We're going to recall. I mean, all of the leagues do it. They do that load management thing. You could pass off as that. No one would question it. But, again, it's you're sitting down your captain. And, and in hockey,
1: that's like, you know, he's he's – I don't to say the face of your team, but he's the leader in that room, and that's a big thing. And what about when you get to a big stretch of games, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, a very critical stretch. Like, say you got, I don't know, like three or four nights, but they're – I mean, every game matters in the stand. Well, like, it right. really matters. Yeah. It's just I, I feel like it's a tough sell. I'm not sure he's going to do that. No, um, and
2: Eric Johnson's the same thing. You know, it's – in the beginning of the season, you could deal with the five-on-five play because of how much he was helping the penalty kill where I think that's backtracking now. The five-on-five play isn't improving, and I think he's declining with the penalty kill. And now you have Ryan Johnson here, who clearly looks ready to play in this league. Um, and I always, I always thought he was. I, I thought I all he needed to be, coming out of college, all he needed for me was to just get used to the speed. I thought it would take longer, but he's picked it up quick. Uh, and he just he's ready. He's ready to play. And that was my whole thing going into the season that – it's no longer about development. It is putting the best players on the ice to be a playoff team with the best roster you can. And that, you know, we talked about Kevin Adams and, and Granado, you know, with the Patrick Kane thing going out and making your team better. I think this is part of it, too. You need to put the best lineup on the ice that gives you the opportunity to win. If that comes with hard decisions, it comes with hard decisions. But you know what? This organization should
1: feel they're in a different spot now, and playoffs are the priority. It's no longer just about development. Should it upset fans? Most people are going to be listening to this sometime Friday. They're in Winnipeg. Yogi Haro returns to the lineup. Is it going to be upsetting and should it be upsetting the fans if Ryan Johnson's not playing and Eric Johnson is? Yes. I think Johnson's
2: going to – I think what will happen is they'll do the 11 and 7 thing again. I think they'll try to kind of play that out as long as they can. So 11 forward, 7 defensemen. Uh, but How do you it, feel about that? It depends. If the 7th defenseman is Ryan Johnson and he's playing nine minutes, then it's what are we doing? If Eric Johnson's the seven defenseman, he's just playing penalty kill and he's giving you eight minutes five on five. And you know, all right, fine because I, I think where the roster is right now, you know, if they don't really need that or have another forward that they, they need to be playing right now. Now, I think that starts to get more difficult when Benson is back. Um, you know, and if Olison's still going, you don't want to take him out because of the scoring, then you got to play 12 forwards. And if Patrick Kane shows up and he's got to play, so that changes your approach too. And then you're going to have to activate three goalies here soon, too. So the roster spots then get limited, and it becomes a whole different conversation with itself.
1: And the goalie, the whole goalie thing is another. Do you think there's a chance that they continue to do this three-goalie thing for quite a while longer? Like, it's not even just, like, short-term. By short-term, I mean days or maybe even a couple weeks. Like, it might stretch longer than that, where they don't make a decision it de- on who that two's going to be? It depends. It it, de- it depends. Because this season's been goofy. But
2: Levi has actually performed. I think Stevenson's training camp has been the worst among the three. Yeah. Comrie was playing really well until so he got hurt. It's unfortunate, but he's going to get back in there, and they're giving him the Winnipeg game. So that's, that's what they believe in him. You mm-hmm. know, the, Right when he gets back, he goes right back in. And Lucan, you know, for as much as I beat up on him, he's been good. He looks... He got into that Bruins game, and he just... I just took away... He looks confident. So you, you roll with that. So what does that mean for Levi? He's... This is the thing I was afraid of. He's 21 years old, and nobody is white. you well done all summer. And it may be something I don't like Levi, and I love Levi. I have, I'm i very confident for his future. But 21 years old goaltenders do not work in this league, and we are seeing it in the games he has played. He He's maybe had one or two good games, and the rest of the games he has a shaking system because it is hard to play in this league. Going from collegiate from hockey hockey east to playing the NHL, you know, and it's not just on weekends. It's two, three, four, practice, game, practice, game, game,
1: game, practice, travel, travel. Like it's a whole different animal for asking him to get used to and play all that much. Do you feel like him going straight from college near the end of last season right into a Buffalo Sabres uniform and looking pretty good and having some success that while it was fun to see at the time, maybe it gave us a false sense of confidence and security that a kid who's that young with, no minor league time whatsoever, is ready to go into the season and instantly be your number one goalie on a team that's trying to end the longest yes, drought in 100%. hockey and with the expectation of making the playoffs. It's a lot to put on a a kid, and I feel like to some extent we're kind of seeing that from him. 100%. So it's not outlandish to say of the three, he's the, the worst goalie so far. Yeah, And that can change because goalies oh, sure, are goofy.
2: I believe in him. Yeah, 100% me I, too. Yeah, well, i, I mean if you send him to the AHL, that's a bad thing. Players his age need that. It's not out of the no- what the Sabres are doing is the unordinary. Him going and playing in Rochester is what all of them do at his age. Yeah. So I just think they need to maybe it comes to that. I don't think we're there yet, but I think if Comrie comes back in and shows that he's he's been the best one of them since training camp, if he comes back in and shows he's still playing at that level, Luke and keeps going, then like because you don't want Levi sitting around for days either. And then, but also, you don't want to play your best goaltenders, yeah, you want to let. Comrie and Luka and get into a rhythm and not do this whole rotation thing because that'll make it difficult. So I think a decision is eventually going to come and it'll be interesting when they make it because Adams did put a lot on this season on Levi. So I think on him it could be a difficult decision to rip that plug out and basically admit I made a mistake here believing that
1: he could play 40 plus games and, and lead us as a number one. That might be a reason why he doesn't go down soon or maybe at all because coaches hate to publicly admit I think it's it would be the general manager. Or the making, general manager. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing it with the Bills and, and Sean McDermott. One last Sabres thing. All right, so we're 16 games in. Is that a big enough sample size to you right now to say this is this is who the Sabres are? Like, how much ceiling is there for room for improvement and how much, you know, obviously things can get worse. They're only two points out of a playoff spot yeah. right now. Yeah. But conversely, they're also pretty damn close, a couple points away from being at the, the bottom of the yeah. conference as well. I mean, yep. I kind of feel like. This is how it's going to be with the Sabers. I mean, they'll get healthier. Maybe they might play better. Yep. But like, they're going to be in a fight with three or four other teams, maybe to make one spot, maybe two at the yeah. most. the it's Eastern Conference like- is is down. I'm gonna I guess you could say he's down this year. There's there's really there's one or two I think
2: high end teams. Boston, support. Boston. Of course, every team. year forever is going to be Boston. New Jersey was until Jack Hughes got hurt, but I think they'll get back there when he's back. The Rangers. Um, so maybe three or four top tier teams. And then there's everybody else. Yeah. And the Sabres are in the. And then there's everybody else. Uh, so we'll we'll see. You know, you got to hang around and, and kind of start to make your runs at the right time. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, from a data standpoint, there's some people believe you know ten games is a good enough sample where you can start to get. I like to go to twenty, the quarter mark. Um, that's when I start to believe in things more that like this is actually what they are, and it's it's scaring me, Pat. Like looking at the offensive numbers they put more of a focus on defense. And and the question I literally since game one, the question I've asked is I understand the need to improve your defense. And that is important to be a playoff team where you want to go. But what is the cost of that? This team went where they went last season based on their offense. And they missed by a point. Mm -hmm. You didn't need to do anything drastic. You needed to improve your goal time. You improve your defense slightly. You didn't need to change your approach on how this team is built and how they, 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 they're systematically how they go. And they did. And I think it's hurting them offensively. They're not generating offense. While they're a plush finishing team, I think if they can't
1: generate offense, they're in some trouble. Yeah. Well, we'll see how things play out over the next. Hopefully they can tread water at least until they get Tage and Jack Quinn back. And then maybe yeah. that'll really help yeah, you yeah, a yeah. Boost, That'll you help know, a big boost to the offense. Before I let you go, though, we are going to talk a couple of minutes of Buffalo Bills here. <laughs> and if you want to know how I feel about the team right now i Is that Lamar you. Jackson hurt on the screen? I will, I will <laughs> explain this to you as quickly and uh, efficiently as possible. So we are sitting here, again, live from Imperial Pizza. It is Thursday night when we're streaming this. Most people probably don't hear it to the next day. But we are watching right now in the corner of my eye. So when you're talking right now about the Sabres, <laughs> I'm looking at you like this. And I also got a peripheral vision right into the TV screen. We're watching the Baltimore Ravens play uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. I would like to be able to watch this game and say, wow, these are two good teams, yeah. and I'm really enjoying this. Just watching some good old Thursday night football. Yeah. Hanging out with my buddy Chad and talking <laughs> fucking sports. But here's the situation. Because of the Buffalo Bills, I have invested interest in Baltimore winning this game. 100%. Not because I like Baltimore, but because I'm already at a point now, and we're, as Bills fans, are already at a point where we're scoreboard watching, and it means a ton. Yeah, get like the, this you got to get is, the Bengals out of the way. <laughs> yeah. The Bengals need to lose this game as Lamar Jackson goes into the blue 10 here in the <laughs> second uh, or the end of the first quarter. Yeah. Baltimore's up 7-3, by the way, as we're streaming this recording this live. But anyway, yeah, we you as a Bills fan, you want Baltimore to win because of playoff wildcard implications. Yeah. I can't believe I'm saying that when it comes know, to the Buffalo know, Bills I know, I know. because, again, we are still a week away from Thanksgiving. I, I got to get right to Sean McDermott with you because this is the thing that's been on my fucking nerves all week long. Ken Dorsey got fired. We all know that. I think you'll probably pretty much would say the same thing that I would and most people. It's not that he didn't deserve or that it's a justified firing. It's just that it happened. Yes. It, it didn't need to happen after this specific game. He's not the reason why the Bills lost at Monday night against the Denver Broncos. When you listen to Sean McDermott, I know you've listened to clips and you've seen stuff like that on social media too. Do you feel his level of accountability right now is where it needs to be? Because I have a big problem – Especially after Monday night's game and the moments after that, <coughs> nope. I almost I call him Sean McFinger Mc Pointer. Yeah, yes. I couldn't believe that the head yes. coach was throwing the offense and special teams under the bus and anybody could anybody he could on the it's bus. It's not his defense, though. Nope. he was praising that defense profusely. I just I see a head coach right now, but whose unit was on the field and they lost the game though? That's what
2: I'm saying. You could listen. I understand to. the defense played well that game. That's fine.
1: That I they did for as injured as they are, they have played for well For most of the game, but. Whose unit was on the field? Next? I couldn't agree more, and that's what I'm talking about. For people, if you were smart enough to never listen to his comments, he did. He he's talking about, the, and he wasn't wrong. Talking about the four turnovers, all the offense has been yep. an issue. Yep. No consistency. He's right. Talking about the special teams has been a disaster. More mm. on that in a second. He's right. Yeah, but he just went out of his way, which I hadn't heard before. Him all season talking about the injuries. I didn't ever mention all the injuries the last couple of weeks, but in this game specifically talked about being five starters down and how great they played and that is true but at the end of the day no matter how shitty the offense played they scored with a minute 58 or minute 55 left in the game and all the bills had to do was have one stop on defense game was over didn't do it denver's last two drives of that game a 12 play touchdown drive and a 10 play field goal drive couldn't get off the field Denver scored and they won. And that's not the first time. I talked about the this stuff earlier this week. New England, England. shitty-ass offense for a half. Wake up in the second half, take the lead. Matt Jones to the Matt the Jones goes 75 yards on the field, not for a field goal to send it to overtime, a touchdown to win the game. Yep. The Giants drove down to the one-half yard line. They easily could have lost that game on the last play. Tampa Bay, a, a 17 point drive to get within one score, get the ball back. And a Hail Mary that should have been caught. If he would have so turned around one second like, earlier. <laughs> so this is a defense that's not closing out games, and the injuries yeah. are absolutely effective. 100 percent But my point is there's no accounting. He's not accepting that accountability. He does later on in the week when he goes, it all starts with me. Yes. You know, the standard yeah. bullshit yep. coach speak. But I, I'm pretty heated at him because of he's not he's setting his players out there or or other parts of his team under the bus. And I just I don't like the leadership. He's talking about leadership, but I'm not seeing it. From the head coach, he's a problem on this team. I'd, I'd venture to say to me, and I want to get your take on this. I think Sean McDermott is the biggest problem on this football team. That's your head coach. That's not good. Yeah, maybe you don't agree. I'm heated. I, him, uh, as you can I, tell, I, I do. <laughs> I do agree
2: that I think the time has come for him. Um, it, look, this accountability thing. This isn't. This isn't new for McDermott. Go back thirteen seconds. Defense, special teams. Also, would never talk about what happened. No, still no. they don't know what happened. No, but it wasn't. Uh,
1: yeah, special Tyler teams Young, coach Tyler goes Tyler away. Article, talked about players talking about yeah. the record and, yeah.
2: Yeah, Leslie Flasier disappears. You have guys taking Chad Hall leaves. Other player, other coaches leave. Lateral, lateral move. moves. Brian Dable. It's in a court document when he was a of coordinator was trying to leave. Yeah, for the Brian Flores thing. Just to go be an offensive coordinator to coach, just
1: uh, offensive coordinator. Like, hey man, like I, you know, like, I'm glad you brought that up because you're 100 right. People don't say that enough. Thank you for saying that because everyone's like, well, he left because he was going to be a head coach. Do wanted out period. before that, the year before period. that, he was trying to get out. Yes. Anyway,
2: so yeah, and you know, I think and look, McDermott's a good coach. Um, I, I want to say that to make it very clear, he has done a lot of things to get this team to where they are, but. The way in my head where no one will be able to explain it to me and I, and I will let it go, well, first of all, never let him go for 13 seconds. I think that will always stick with me, and that was kind of when I was done with him at that point. There's no rebound from that, unless they would have won again, which they don't really, they're anywhere close to that. They're going backwards. But Allen is no longer, like, he's on his height, early, like late 20s, like 27, 28, but he's only had one coach his entire career. McDermott had his chance with Allen. He couldn't get it done. He's on his third offensive coordinator now. I think it's somebody else's turn to go to let Allen to coach Allen. And here's the thing, too. Like, they've almost effectively entirely wasted the digs' time. So, you know, with the cap situation, they probably get one more year out of it because you, like, you almost literally can't trade him in the offseason because of the cap implications. You could work around it, but realistically, it probably can't happen. But we'll see how that all plays out. So, if you have one more year with Diggs and Allen, like, get somebody else in to have an opportunity. And I am big on having an offensive mind because that, that's what your team is. Your team is Josh Allen in offense, okay? And that's what you have to dive into. That's what you have to go with. And I just don't think McDermott will ever get there. And just that's just not the coach he is, not the way it is. And, you know, there's been fights about numbers and running game and the articles that have been written the last few days and calling McDermott wants to run more, but he's not, but he is. But he... But he's a conservative coach at heart, and he is. And I think if you say that he's not, that, you know, you just don't buy into it. There, there's It's conservative in close games. The team continues to lose close games, big games all the time, continually over and over and over again. And it's a pattern now, and I think we've seen long enough. He can go somewhere else and coach and do his thing. That's fine. He'll get another job right away if he leaves Buffalo. But I just think that it's time
1: for somebody else to get a chance. I couldn't agree more. I'll say the semi-obvious about Sean McDermott too. He's a good team builder, He's yes. a good character builder. If you are if you're the Washington Commanders, mm-hmm. if you're the Chicago Bears, just using these as examples that are a mess. Yeah. You know, and you need to start over and you want to rebuild the culture of your team. You want to get the right guys in there. Yeah. You want to get a tough nose defense and then build around, get a quarterback, whatever. That's your guy, and I think he excelled at that. No question about that, and he'll always deserve that credit. But he is a lousy fucking in-game manager, and I'm sorry for swearing, but he is lousy, dude. You know what bothers me the most about 13 seconds that enough people don't talk about, and it also bothers me about this past Monday night game while they had 12 guys on the field for specialties at the end of the game? If 13 seconds would have been bam-bam, like say, you know, you, you kick the ball in the end zone, which in itself is a separate thing to be mad about. Yeah, we'll never know whose fault it was. Well, let's say Mahomes goes down the field and, and he hits Tyreek Hill and Tyreek Hill 65 goes down. a 65-yard run, yeah. Or, that, like that. Or, yeah. Or, or even, let's just say, he gets there and then he spikes the ball because yep. they don't have any timeout, whatever, and then things happen, bam-bam, I'd be like, oh, wow, that's a shell shot. Yeah. Here's the thing, the Bills call timeout not once but twice like, and you couldn't switch that defense up and then you're having guys play 25 yards off the line this is following a timeout where you get a couple minutes to talk about it with your defensive coordinator yeah and you they got burned one time right you're like yes. oh whoa, wait a minute that's, right that's, right like yeah you know, and again afterwards even you know dummies like us are like put a defensive man on travis kelsey and fucking tackle him yeah off the line but whatever my point was is they used two timeouts and they still didn't change anything this game on monday night it's very apparent Denver's in field goal range. They're taking a knee, and they're going to run off because they don't have any more timeouts. And you know they don't have any more timeouts. Mm-hmm. So they're going to take a knee, and then they're going to get off the field and have to kick a field goal. You, everybody knows that. Well, the Bills used their second and the third timeout. And even after your second and third timeout, you didn't coach whoever's out in the field. Which, by the way, they switched defensive ends on third down after having somebody yep. else on first and second. Yep. It was Leonard Floyd who didn't know to get off. That's that's why the Bills had 12 people yep. on there. I watched the film, and it's very obvious, too. It was clear that it was communicated to everyone else except Leonard Floyd, and I'm not trying to call him out because I believe that it wasn't communicated to yep. him, and he thought the defense was supposed to we'll stay, stay on the field. Yeah, Exactly. But DeMar Hamlin, Dane Jackson, um, Rasul Douglas, Teron Johnson, and 10,000-pound ball, Joseph got off the field, yeah. and six guys came on, and Leonard Replay was supposed to be the six to get off. Here's my point, though. You have two timeouts, and whether you're Matthew Smiley or McDermott to Smiley or Smiley to the players or McDermott directly to the players, you don't communicate what you're doing at the end of the game to all the players. Yeah. That is just inexcusable in-game coaching. That's the shit that makes me, that and the lack of accountability and throwing his offense under the bus right now. Yeah. That's what's making me gun with Sean McDermott, and I'm questioning if this is as far as he's gonna be able to take a football team, if we've already seen peak Buffalo yeah. Bills under Sean McDermott. Yeah. I'm pissed off. Dude. I mean <laughs> it's Thursday. I'm not supposed to be this
2: pissed off. Yeah, I, I get it. And I agree, I agree. I'm the same spot you are. I agree. But I also think at the same time, while McDermott is an issue, if you will, I still think it can't overshadow what the primary issue is. And that is the offense isn't mm-hmm. hasn't been itself. Since it got in the plane to go to London, they I don't know what happened. The offense got lost over the ocean. I don't know. They haven't been themselves Miami, since that because right, they killed Miami, yeah. And that. they go to London and the offense is never the same again, yeah. So I don't know. I, I like Joe Brady a lot, so maybe, um, something changes. Maybe something changes. I, I think it's a tough situation, especially going up against the Jets and a good defense. That's super tough, but. And they always Allen always struggles against that. That's really not, that's not the team he needs to see right now either, because he always struggles. Even when he's going, he's when he hits the Jets, he struggles. So it's kind of rough that you're going to hit them now. But um, yeah, I, I mean, Allen, I think has played well for the most part, but then there's just there's those things where he's not
1: playing like himself. He's not no. himself. It's
2: it's it, 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 I think it's mental. It's what I said in the game. It, it's mental. He cannot at right now where he can't put three or four plates without making a mistake of some kind. it's it, he's in his head. I don't know if it, it's the telling him to pull back, which I think is another McDermott thing. Absolutely, Pulling, tip, cutting his legs off essentially. When I mean, you had a guy who was a freak and you took that away from him, and, and you no, know, because of injuries, but really he only ever gets hurt when he's in the pocket, not when he's running. And yeah, and, and that's another thing to put against McDermott. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. They have to find a way to get back to
1: what they were. But I, I don't, I don't know if you can at this point. I think he's trying to catch lightning in a bottle, McDermott, by firing Dorsey this week. I think he fired Dorsey for two reasons. Number one, the most important one is I think he's trying to catch lighting in a bottle with mm-hmm. the offense and maybe just having a new voice might energize yeah. them, might give them different vibes, and they might start to execute a lot yep. better. I think that's a primary reason. I'm also not going to lie. I think there's at least – and this is not – I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here, but I think the fact that he got outcoached so bad in the, in, in the third and ten jailbreak blitz, which everyone in the world knows was just an absolutely yeah, stupid, idiotic freaking call, that – and Then the 12 men on the field at the end of the game that falls on the head coach, yeah. even if it's the special teams coordinator's fault, you're you're the CEO, you're the yeah. one who's responsible right. for this organization. So that shit's on him. We're not talking, I just brought it up now. You know, it's like we were talking about Sean McDermott yeah. and all the other stuff or Ken Dorsey before you yeah. get to that. So I really think that's part of it. And I don't think, listen, I know a lot of people are calling for his head, and I am too at this point, but I don't think it's happening because a not in season, no, no, not. No. I'm talking about after the season, too. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm gonna tell you why. Depends how it goes. First of all, Terry Bagula just gave him an extension a lot of money. Secondly, you're gonna look at his track record, it's easy to defend if you want to defend him. He's been in the playoffs four straight years five of six. Sure, um, he's won at least 10 games four years in a row. He's won 13 games twice. He's got an AFC title game. It's easy for Bagula to say, Look, there's a lot of issues this year beyond the head coach, things just went off the rails. We're gonna turn it around, and then maybe in 2024, if we don't turn around, I could see him get rid of him. The one scenario where I do see Sean McDermott being in trouble is if Josh goes to Terry directly. I was say that, or you're starting to feel like Gabe Davis talked to the media. You probably didn't hear this today on Thursday, but he blamed himself for the drop. Good yep. on him. Yep, and uh, said it's Ken Dorsey didn't throw that interception. Yep. I was the cause of that interception. So there's guys who were defending Dorsey yeah. in the locker room. Today, which is one other thing, by the way, I hate about McDermott, he benched James Cook for that fumble. Then he doesn't bench Game Davis. Agree. That is yes, they oh. fold. If you're going to bench one, you should have said both.
2: Hundred percent agree. Um,
1: well, I I wouldn't have bench either. Just go and then you know maybe a series. Maybe. Maybe get get Murray in there for a series, let him right. think about it, say, Hey, man, you can't do this. Shit. Which, by the way, it wasn't a lazy bad fumble, no, it was a just great either. play by the defense. He defender. was trying to like drive him. and then to rip the ball. I mean, it, it happens just like the week before with Kincaid when he, you know, he yeah. tried to make a play and the Cincinnati player just punched it out. It was yeah. just sometimes you got to give credit to the defense. I mean, when Ty Johnson gets a handoff, you're just like, and then I roll it. Come on, like, what are, what are we doing here? You yeah. think this team at five and five, realistic? let's be honest here is this team, I mean. We'll see how it plays out, but are they dead in the water right now? Probably, probably. I, I think, probably. There's to too it. many good teams on their schedule. <laughs> Dude, you <laughs> lost to the Broncos. I'm not confident they're going to be you the Jets be on Sunday, yeah, let alone know. that they're going to go oh out and be Philly in and Philly, and KC City, in KC. KC. Yeah, yeah. Dallas at home at the Chargers at yeah. Miami. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I just don't see it. I, I'd like to be wrong, but that's honestly where I'm at. Well, last question. I'm going to let you go, man, because you, you can hear it in my voice right now. Again, this game was on Monday night. It's Thursday, and I'm still emotional about it, which is the thing about content mm-hmm. creators. You know, sometimes people say, oh, they're homers. Well, I'm the opposite. I get too critical of the team because I think as a content creator, we tend to be yeah, too emotional sure. in our coverage, good or bad. Yep. Yeah. Do you find yourself on the Sabre side? Because that's what you cover. You know, mm-hmm. you're a Bills fan, but you're covering the Sabres. It seems to me, and I know you well enough, that you're able to dial back the emotions to some extent. Yeah. But don't tell me that you don't sit there and, and get fucking annoyed like, oh, my God, I can't believe Skinner's doing this Yeah, Tuck's doing that. Like, 100%. Have you, is it something that you've tried to work on, <laughs> I should say, yes. just how to get in that emotion out of yeah. your coverage? I don't think I want to. No, I, it's it's not getting the emotion out. I think it's. It's more,
2: look, for hockey, it's 82 games, right? So it's like, pace yourself. You know, that's that's why I told people we were (laughs) 30 games the season, but losing their minds. I'm like, folks, we have 77 more left. Like, let's (laughs) pace ourselves. And I think that's important to remember. But, yeah. There's times I get frustrated. I don't think I'll ever be at the point where I was like yelling on podcasts years ago. I, mean, I'm, I, I,
1: I just did that like three times. I this won't. Week.
2: Yeah, I'm not gonna. They are, <laughs> the Sabers are not gonna beat me up enough again to get to that point. I've already been beat up enough by them. Like, there's nothing else they can really do to like get me there. But I think a lot of it too is is taking a step back and understanding, um, you know, using the information, the data, kind of to guide me and making those decisions. Where maybe I see something with my eyes and I'm like. Okay, before I go off about it, let me one watch the play a second or a third or even fourth time. Let me look at what the numbers ABC be behind that play, why that happened, or something. You know that I missed something that could have happened and results from that. So I think yeah, and I, and I think like, you know, it's weird for me like on the Saber side. like Yeah, I'm a fan, but also I, I cover the team, so I, I approach mm. it differently. Um, you know, trying to look at things realistically enough losing my head because like, that, that, that's a bit much, you know, you don't need to do all the time. Where on the bill side, I think I'm a little bit more critical and in, in outgoing because I'm legitimately, I'm a fan. Like yeah. I'm not, like people have said to me, like, why don't you have the bills on your site? And we've thought about it and talked about it, but like, I just want to be a fan of the team. Yeah. Like I, I don't want to cover them. I don't want to get involved in that. Like there's enough. There's enough drama in the streets with the NFL analytics stuff right now. <laughs> oh, I know, man. I don't want to be involved it's, in like there's there's EA,
1: DVOA. Yeah. are everybody knows those <laughs> letters now. They might not know what the fuck they mean. Yes, but everybody knows what they mean because that has been a source on the football side for some serious beef. And I'm some not of the way was right or wrong. Some of the way, some of the ways that the NFL
2: stats people do stuff from a hockey perspective, the way I do with hockey, is very it's frustrating. Sure. There's a lot of binning, what we call it, you know, taking one three weeks versus this three weeks, and like, well man, just look at the whole picture. You know, there's a lot of not score effects taking it to a lot of the numbers with the NFL. So it's it, it's hard. Like I tried to I, I understand the NFL numbers, but I just I cannot
1: get to a place where I do it like I do for hockey. Just it doesn't I just want to be a fan. I just want I, to be a fan of the NFL. Yeah, side. for sure. I, I completely understand it. I've gotten myself to a place where it comes to the bills and I realize this. All the other sports teams that I'm a fan of, Sabres. The Sabres play like shit. It, it frustrates me, but I get over it quick. Yeah. Big loss, I'll get over it quick. Yeah, I, I grew up, I've been a lifelong Yankees fan and Notre Dame fan too. Honestly, I don't even give a shit half the time when they lose. I'm over it. Yeah. Like if, if the Yankees played right now and we watched them lose, I'd be, eh, then we'd have three wings yeah. from Imperial and I'd be like, oh, <laughs> fucking whatever. But the Bills still have that ability to get under my skin. I think because every game matters so much, too. Like, it, in baseball, it's it 162. Hockey, but it's 82. I, I think to, uh, that and because I know what this team is capable of. Right. I think this team is just 100%. too damn good to be 5-5 five and five right now. They're going to waste the
2: year. They're essentially going to waste a year amount. They are. If you shouldn't ever do in his career, they are going to burn a year. I
1: agree. And I, I hope we're wrong. And obviously, too. Again, we're not trying to front here. We yeah. are Bill's fans. We both yep. want to be wrong. I but, hope they um, win the rest of their games. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, it's Baltimore winning now? <laughs> they're still up. Anyway, all right. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening, for watching. One more time, thank you to Imperial Pizza. Jamaican jerk Wings. I almost said Caribbean Wings. (laughs) J.D. Domenicis, thank you very much for for coming on. It's always fun, and I will be back with uh, another episode. I don't know when now I'm going to have another episode. I'm going to (laughs) be honest with you. Thanks. Talk to you guys later.